You're listening to the Military Homeschool Podcast. The Military Homeschool Podcast aims to equip and encourage parents by covering topics relevant to military homeschooling families. Tune in each week for tips and advice from someone who's been there as a military wife and homeschooling mom. You also hear inspiring stories and informative guest interviews with experienced military homeschoolers and experts in the educational field. The Military Homeschool Podcast is a broadcast of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Hey friends, welcome back to the Military Homeschool Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Niehoff. Thanks so much for listening in today. Joining me now is Deborah Wooler, Senior Editor and Director of Production of the Old Schoolhouse Magazine. She is wife to Richard and has been homeschooling their eight children since the birth of their firstborn 32 years ago. They have graduated seven children so far and have one high school student. Deborah is an author, speaker, and devotional leader. Her most popular workshop is Homeschooling the Rebel. She has written several Bible reading plans for the Bible app on uversion.com called Homeschool Moms Teach the Psalms and writes regularly for the Homeschool Minute. Her editorials are seen on Crosswalk.com, Homeschool Compass, and in many state homeschool newsletters. Deborah's passion is to encourage homeschool families to keep their focus on Christ and His Word and let them know that they are making the best educational choice possible when they choose to keep their children home where they belong. Welcome to the podcast, Deborah. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on. And I just, I know that you are going to bless our listeners today. I'm so excited. And you're such a fascinating lady and very involved in the homeschooling community. I would love for you to share more with our listeners about yourself and your family. Certainly. Um, So as my bio said, I have been homeschooling and I, I count the years from the birth of my firstborn, who's 31 now. And we decided to homeschool even well before he was born. And so we have actually been in the homeschool community for quite a number of years, decades. And, uh, and so the Lord has brought us through many um many journeys through that. And uh, I have been with the Old Schoolhouse magazine as a senior editor there for about 20 years now. And um, it's been a long journey, but I've loved every minute of it. And yes, we've graduated seven of our eight children. I have a high schooler left to go. um, And he is a freshman. So I have just a few more years, but I'm sure I'll just still be in the homeschool community until death do us part. Oh, for sure. And it's such a great community to be involved with. So you said that you've been homeschooling since your firstborn was born 32 years ago. And I love that because we often think that homeschooling starts at kindergarten or first grade whenever we decide to start that formal education. And we feel intimidated. I did. When I first started my homeschool journey, I felt intimidated. Am I smart enough? Am I able to homeschool my child? But I've been homeschooling all along. That is such an important reminder to parents that we've been homeschooling from the get-go. 
what though was the the thing that led you? Was there something specific that led you to formal homeschooling? Or was it something that you always knew you wanted to do? What led us there is an interesting journey. My husband and I, um, we were married for seven years before we had our first child. And during that time, we were the Sunday school leaders at our church. And so uh, we would have the kids, you know, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, we would be in charge of the uh, children's ministry. And so we had, you know, everybody's children. And in our church, we had quite a few homeschool families. And my husband and I had never even heard of homeschooling before, but we saw these families and we had their children and, and we saw quite a difference between the uh, public and private school children and the homeschool children. There was just such a difference. And it really became clear as they grew up and as they, um, you know, we watched them for, you know, five, six years grow up. And uh, by the time the public school children got to middle school, uh, all of a sudden, they weren't really children anymore. They they acted, they were just very closed off and they, they had lost their joy. They had lost their innocence. They didn't want to participate. All of a sudden, you know, they became something different. And it wasn't really all of a sudden. We kind of watched the difference as, you know, from early on. And we saw, you know, that the homeschooled children just had a light about them and they they were participating and they were happy and they were free and they were like innocent and and they just knew their Bibles. And, and so my husband and I, as we watched this, we saw such a difference between the two. We didn't even know the stats or anything about homeschooling. We just saw the kids and we just said, you know what, if we ever have children and when we ever have children, we were, we're going to homeschool because we can just see the fruit of it right here. That is such an amazing testimony to homeschoolers, the, the power of homeschooling just in our children's character and demeanor. I love that. So when you did start formally homeschooling, um, was it always smooth sailing for you and your kiddos or I noticed in your bio, you mentioned that your most popular workshop is homeschooling the rebel. And I'm curious about that. Would you share more about that? And do you have personal experience homeschooling a rebel? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> and, uh, no, it wasn't a uh, smooth sailing. Um, I thought it would be because, you know, being this, uh, a Sunday school teacher all those years. And, and that was actually the goal of my um, of my life was to be an educator. And so from early on, I wanted to be a teacher. And so, um, <clears throat> so I thought, oh, this is going to be so easy. You know, well, I had waited seven years to have my first child. So I couldn't wait to start homeschooling these kids. So I started when they were, uh, my, my oldest son was four, the next one was two this and then I had a baby in the swing and I said we're starting I'm not waiting another minute and we started with a formal curriculum and everything was for the, this four-year-old and two-year-old and they had their little desks that they sat in and <laughs> it was 
um, very, it was fun, actually. We had a great curriculum. We sang the songs. We learned our phonics. Um, and then it wasn't smooth sailing, no, because, of course, anything that is worth doing is going to be difficult. And also Satan hates this whole idea of, of us bringing our kids home and, and um, you know, uh, training them in the Lord. He does not like that. So there's always going to be some kind of something coming against you. So it's difficult, but um, the behavior issues for this rebellious child. Um, so out of the eight children, I have this one child who's extremely rebellious and and we had never you know we'd only read about these kind of kids we didn't <laughs> until this one surfaced and we're like what do we do with this one <laughs> and um so by the time this this daughter her name is Hannah but she knows that we speak about this we speak together actually on this by the time she was about 7 and then you know at that time i had you know several more children so she was sandwiched in between four boys and then there were two more girls after that and then another boy. But her I don't know if it was her being sandwiched in between the boys or we tried to research everything to figure out why is she rebellious? <laughs> because uh, when she was little, like four five, she was like our little prayer warrior and she was like on fire for God. And she was she would memorize scripture before even any of us. <laughs> and it was like, wow, how do you do that? She was extremely intelligent as well. And when I've talked to parents across, um, you know, different conventions and such um, and emails that I get, these kids are smart. Usually the, the rebellious children are very smart. They can talk you into a corner. They can manipulate the conversation to where you don't even know where you're going. And so, um, you know, these smart kids um can really become rebellious because they don't, first of all, think they need any formal training anymore because they know it all. <laughs> and secondly, you know, these uh, kids who are strong, strong in spirit, strong in will, God can use them for his kingdom in a glorious way. And Satan knows that. So he he's going to speak lies to them from the time they're tiny. And, you know, we have to combat those lies. So Part of discipling a child is disciplining and training a child. And so, so many of those days looked more like training camp and basic training than it did homeschooling, you know, for, for some of those years. Um, and that child um, kept us researching, kept us on our knees every day and um, just praying about what do we do about this full-blown rebellious child all of a sudden around seven years old. And um, so from the age of seven to 17 is 10 years worth of rebellion. And it was daily and it was in, and it was uh, emotionally draining. It was physically draining. It was, it was just a 10 year period of intense warfare. And I'm talking about not just between us and the child um, and the child and their siblings, but between Satan and us, you know, there's like, we were in warfare over this child, you know, just praying over this one. And, and we learned, you know, what to do, how to, how to, you know, what things that would help her as far as homeschooling goes. Um, and so it took a lot of, you know, trial and error, but we learned many things about 
uh, how to help her with her education when she would say, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so um, a few of the things that helped um, in educating her was, um, first of all, she had some sensory issues as well. And so because she was so smart and had these issues, um, there were things that she could pick up, such as um, she could uh, track every conversation in our home. And we had a lot of people in our home, right? And so she could track every conversation and she could, you know, she heard everything, every little thing. And so we didn't know that that was uh, really bothering her and making her react to her environment um, and for a while. And when we found out, then we were able to help that in giving her like some ear protectors to do her schoolwork or giving her um, at the time a little uh, MP3 player with worship music on or an audio book, a classic of some sort. So she could have that in her ears with earbuds um, while she was uh, concentrating on her schoolwork and she could do both. And so, but she couldn't handle all of the noise and the stimulation. So we had to m minimize that. Um, sometimes we used a, you know, those science boards that have three sides. And sometimes we put that in front of her at the table so that she wasn't distracted by the other siblings and um, the other siblings weren't distracted by her because, you know, anybody that came near her would be getting, getting her wrath. And so <laughs> we had to, you know, put some boundaries around her boundaries around the other kids. Um, and so just through a lot of prayer um, and asking the Lord, you know, how do we train this child? What do we do? He he gave us wisdom and and helped us. Um, because parenting and homeschooling a rebellious child, uh, first of all, you're parenting them and you're training them and you're discipling them. And secondly, you've got to educate them. And so because she was uh, hard to handle, there were times we said, well, maybe she needs to go, you know, to the Christian school down the street. And we and, you know, we prayed and and we actually took her there um, one time and talked to the um, the teacher there and that she the grade she would be in and talked to the administrator. And, you know, we were talking about all these things and they they just told us, no, we're not. We wouldn't accept her if you wanted to bring her here. And so that was really an answer to prayer. Like God shut that door. Like, that's not what I want for this girl there. I have a purpose for her. And, um, you know, when people ask me, how do you, how do you homeschool this rebellious child or parent this child, you know, because we're thinking about getting something done. Um, it's a loaded question because there's so many <laughs> facets to it. But first of all, you're going to study your child, like what's going on um, physically and mentally and spiritually. So you're going to actually be the one being educated. <laughs> you're going to be studying your child and um, finding out, you know, physically, are they getting enough sleep? You know, and if not, what's happening, um, you know, in their body that's that's causing them not to sleep well or, you know, what's happening mentally? Like, um, are they overstimulated or understimulated with the schoolwork is you know, and spiritually, of course, we're going to, going to be going after the main thing, which is their heart. And also, one thing, um, Crystal, is we want to change our perspective 
in um, raising these kids because we have to realize that it's not a fight we're having with this child or a fight that this child is having with us. But what it is, is that God created this child to be a fighter. He created them uniquely to fight for him and his purposes and his kingdom and to to stand up against this culture that is really trying to take down anything good and to fight the good fight of faith. So they need to be taught that this is their identity. Their identity is not a, a rebellious child. Their identity is that God created them to be a fighter. And so you know, we're, we don't want to come against them and say what you're doing is wrong, because when we say when we say who you are is wrong, that's actually going to the core of their identity that God created them to be this fighting machine. <laughs> and so what we need to do is um, just continuously remind them that, hey, you are fighting the wrong fight right now. You're fighting dad and mom. You're fighting siblings and you're practicing on the wrong people. <laughs> What you need to be doing is fighting the enemy of your soul and fighting the good fight of faith. And so um, we just want them to know that God created them um, to for a purpose. And so that they are not believing the lies of the enemy who comes and says, you're just creating havoc. There's no, you are just making things wrong in this family. You, it'd be better if you weren't here. And the enemy will tell this child that. And, and so this child will just start, you know, maybe going inward instead of like, you know, communicating with you. And, and you so have, if you, I'm sorry, not to uh, interrupt, but please you're do. so right about how we talk to our children. You know, we do need to discipline them, but it's how we do it. If we make them feel like, they're not worthy or that we see them as a bad child, they will live up to our expectations. And if we're expecting them to misbehave, they'll live up to that. And I loved what you said about just, you know, watching our words, not name calling, you know, not putting them down, but discipline and discipleship, I believe, and you probably know more than I do, but comes from the same root word. And that means to disciple them or to train them up. And if we train them that they have value in the sight of God and let God work through them, if we're not telling them they're bad, you're always acting up, you're always doing this. And it's, that's the same in any relationship. If we use negative words, people will live up to what whatever label we put on. I love what you said about that is to watch what we say to our children and also about them in front of them. Absolutely. Yes. And say you have a discipline issue, uh, which you will, you know, (laughs) constantly every day. For sure. And you're talking to them and you're saying, um, I saw what you just did there with your sibling. And, um, you know, God has created you for good things and he wants to use this strong spirit. But right now you're fighting the wrong fight. You're fighting the wrong person. And so, you know, what you did was not right. You know, it wasn't it wasn't biblical. And um, and so we need to deal with that. But who you are is who God created you to be. And he wants you to use this strong spirit, but it for his purposes. And so one of the things that 
really helped us and and I think has helped other um, parents and families with rebellious children is to get these kids into something that is they can fight for. So say it's it's um, you know, uh, well, for our daughter, we got we start, we were in the pro-life ministry for many years, and it was, you know, that's a fight that she could grab onto and and hold on to and be part of where she's fighting evil, you know. And so, um, so that really helped as she finally bowed the knee, you know, at 17. And even before that, you know, we were taking her with us on all these ministry opportunities in in many in many kinds of ministry just to see what you know, what each child would grab onto, you know, so we let our children experience a lot of different kinds of ministry and opportunities, but to give them something to argue for, like teach them apologetics and worldview. And, you know, as they get older and teach them, you know, the things that um, would help them articulate truth, uh, because they will be really good at that. And, you know, they may be little lawyers or, or um, they, they may grow up to be apologists or they may, you know, be able to be in the government or uh, something where they have the ability to um, change minds and change policies and, you know, change hearts. And so um, just give them tools. And one of the main tools would be the word of God. Of course, it has to be in their arsenal because, again, Satan will be constantly trying to pull them down and tear them down with lies He's the father of lies and he's going to tell them they're, they are worthless and that, you know, they, this life would be better without them. And so they need to know the truth to combat those lies. And so if we are going to be giving them the word of God, you know, if we're going to answer biblically when they come to us, you know, um, telling us lies, um, then we're going to have to know what it is ourselves. You know, we're going to have to have our arsenal full of the word of God. And we have to live and they're, they're very good at picking out hypocrites because they are very black and white. And so we have to live what we ask them to be. So if we're asking them to be kind to their siblings, then they need to see kindness in us to, to our husbands and to, to people around us. You know, if they were asking them to be loving and forgiving, then they're going to have to see that in us a hundred percent. Right. So this is a, this is definitely a, discipling for us as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if we're asking them to be obedient, they need to see us being obedient. Like if, you know, we're saying we need to take care of the sick and the uh, and the hurting, then they need to see us doing that. They, if we see, if we're reading in the Bible that this is what we are to do to be obedient, then they need to see us living that way. And so um, they can definitely smell a hypocrite a mile away. That is so true for most any child. They will mirror us. And so if they see us maybe arguing with our spouses and they're going to then mirror that, it shouldn't surprise us if they're always seeing us argue with our spouses or argue with other people or watching that on TV. You know, what are we setting them in front of? Are they watching things on television or YouTube or videos that show arguing, fighting, that type of thing, then they're going to mirror that. I love what you say about we need to live out what we're asking them to live out, practice what we preach. Yes. And so oftentimes our responses to them 
are going to be very telling to them. And so like if they're in our face, just arguing with us and we are responding back with the, with frustration, they, they feel like they've won the war because if mom can't hold it together, then they have no reason to hold it together. Right. So um, they, they, our responses are really important. And so we have to have that moment that maybe, you know, we're not going to engage in that fight that they're trying to get us to engage in. And we're going to have a quiet answer. And the quiet answer in Proverbs 15, one, it says it turns away wrath. Well, it, it, it turns away my own wrath. <laughs> it may not turn away the wrath of my daughter, um, but it turned away my own wrath. If I could answer quietly, then it, the frustration would, you know, would go and there would be more calm and more peace. But to get to that place where you can answer like that, instead of take on all that frustration is to, you know, just definitely be in the word and be in prayer. And like, you know, sometimes it's like, I can't deal with you right now. I'm going to have to go in my prayer room first because, you know, I know that I need to, to, to take some time with the Lord and have him calm my spirit before I can actually engage with my child again. And so that they will see, first of all, who I go to when I need help. And secondly, that there is, you know, a thing called self-control, but you need a moment to, to find that place. But I also taught her and, um, and I, I tell parents too, that there really is no self-control in these kids. Like self-control is non-existent. Um, but (laughs) it is a fruit of the spirit. And so, if what I trained my kids was that you may not have self-control, you feel like you don't have it, but you can put yourself under God's control. So just kind of take that step sideways and put yourself under God's control and then self-control can be learned and, and it will be a fruit of your life. So um, that, that was one thing I was teaching about self-control, but for Hannah also, we looked at some supplements for her Um just to help get rid of some yeast that she had in her gut and what that yeast does, it sort of eats up um, yeah, the serotonin that is supposed to help you go to your deep sleep place. And if they kids don't get that serotonin to their brain because it's the yeast is taking over, um, then they don't actually go into that sleep that gives them um, uh, healing and rest. And so when they wake up, they're tired, even though they slept, they didn't go to the right, you know, amount of kind of sleep. And so what they're doing is they're just reacting to their environment. They're just constantly reacting instead of having that moment to just respond. Like, you know, most people can just have a moment to think and respond where these kids are just reactive, getting her on a few supplements to kill the yeast and to give her some natural serotonin was pretty easy. And it did give her that moment to respond instead of react. It didn't take away who she was. She was definitely still a fighter, but it just gave us a breathing moment (laughs) there. (laughs) Some people ask, okay, but practically like homeschooling, like what do they need to learn? (laughs) Like, you know, cause they're looking at these workbooks and, you know, if, if it was my child, they'd be ripping them up or they'd be scribbling all over them because they're not going to do it. You know, that was what I was going to ask you because I may or may not have, and just in case this child is listening at some point, (laughs) I'm not going to mention who they are and I'm deliberately being vague, but I totally get it. 
many times felt like most of my day was being spent just trying to parent this child, just trying to keep them at peace with their siblings and the, the some sort of semblance of peace within the home, then to actually homeschool this child and get them to do their work and learn something. And it, especially as they got older, I could kind of excuse it when they were younger because I thought, well, I still had when they get older and eventually we'll get this under control. But that fighter, and I love that you use that phrase, and that's not always a bad thing. That strong-willed fighter attitude can be funneled as you were sharing into something better, but sometimes it takes a while to get to. So how do we then apply that to homeschooling and actually get something done? Good question. Um, so if you're getting the important eternal, you know, parent training things done, and that's all you got done for the day, yay. <laughs> However, there are times when you can actually educate them, but what you're going to find out from them is what is frustrating them about, about what we're asking them to do. So is it too easy? Is it like, I already, you know, I already know this moment. Why do I have to do 27 of these problems if I already know how to do them? And so that's when you say, okay, well, if you can do, you know, just the even numbers of the problems and not the odd, um, and you get them all right, then, then that's all you have to do. Or if you can get the first 10 of this concept right, or five even, you know, right, without any help, and you've got it, then we can move on. You don't have to finish the rest. So it's a lot of scaling back to the very basics for these guys. And like... Um, not requiring a lot of busy work or workbooks or mindless repetition in their eyes, right? Um, and so um, getting them into things like debate or, you know, things where they can use the smarts they already have. Um, and then also um, a lot of these kids are very good readers, you know, and so, and and they're very good at understanding the first time a concept. And so, so because they're smart, it really helps us to scale back on the academics and the busy work. And so you can just give them a lot of their teaching through very good books. And um, and for our daughter, we, we just had her do a lot of reading, which she loved. And so we, you know, that worked for us. We gave most of her uh, education through reading because if she could just narrate back what she learned uh, um, then we knew she had it in there. So, you know, sometimes we want them to do all this busy work so that we can see what they know. Well, you, we could just ask them, what do you know? <laughs> you know, tell me about it. And they like to talk. And so they'll tell you and you'll be like, hey, you got it, you know? And um, so if writing is a problem, so our child had sort of like dysgraphia, she couldn't get it from her head down the arm out of her hand onto paper then, you know, narrating is good when they're young and you can type it up for them. Or you can write it for them. They can watch you. And then you show them, hey, look, this is what you did. Isn't this great? Can you, you want to read back to me what you said? And they're so proud of that, you know, and eventually, you know, slowly they'll get to, you know, learn. Um, it may take them a little bit longer to get the writing part down. So teach them typing, you know, do all, do what you can, the hacks that you can for these kids that will help them to show their uh, smarts without being frustrated. And so scaling back a lot on those things, giving a lot of good reading, 
a lot of good biographies of strong spirited people. So we had our daughter read all the YWAM biographies, youth with a mission biographies, and there were Christian history biographies, as well as all just history biographies of strong spirited people who overcame obstacles and how they did it. And so um, just giving them that that help and that encouragement that, hey, you're made to be one of these kind of people. So let's learn about them and let's, um, you know, do some other things that are more helpful for you to retain your knowledge, you know, versus just writing in workbooks. So maybe we will go on field trips and, you know, because you really are interested in this one area or like for Hannah, it was, she was very interested in horses. And so, we didn't have a horse, but <laughs> we lived in the city in California, um, but we did everything we could. We got her lots of books about horses and we took her, you know, to see horses. And we also um, had her volunteer at a therapeutic riding center um, that was a bit away from us. So, you know, all the things that would help her, you know, if she wanted to, if I needed a report from her, say, well, we didn't do very much of that with her because no, it was, you know, we, we, we needed to uh, homeschool the other kids as well. So she was, you know, smart enough. I knew that if I asked her for a report, she could give me one in, you know, in 10 minutes. And so, you know, some of those things uh, you can just, you know, really relax and, you know, allow the Lord to show you what this child is, what motivates them, how they learn, and really scale back on what you're requiring of them. Um, and then one last little tip is to get them engaged with their curriculum is I would have them come with me to the conventions and pick it out themselves. I'm like, okay, this you have this whole floor and we need history for next year or whatever it was, you know, when they were older, a little bit older, uh, when she was maybe middle school-ish, go ahead and look around the floor and if there's something that you think you would like to do, even if it wasn't history, I was just like, anything, please, <laughs> you know, whatever you think would work for you and you would like, and then they have, then they're invested in it. So you're like, okay, let's do it. You know, let's look at it together. Okay. Let's get it. Let's, you know, now, now they're invested in it because they've chosen it. Um, just asking the Lord for wisdom for each day. <laughs> I love what you said about kind of giving them that control to help choose their curriculum. But is there a light at the end of the tunnel? You had mentioned with your daughter that 17 kind of turned a corner. How is your daughter doing these days? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? <laughs> yes, always. There's um, where there's breath, there is hope. And so, you know, you just remain obedient. You just remain, you just keep doing the next right thing. Um, you just keep loving them. Don't push them away. You know, don't push them away. That's our tendency is to like, oh, if I could just have a break from this child, draw them in even closer, like take them with you, have dates um, where you're one-on-one -on -one with them and, you know, just keep that relationship open and loving. So there's always hope. And so really what happened with our daughter at 17 is she went um, to a youth group um, camp and um, at that time decided she was going to follow God. And so because that's when she bowed the knee and gave up her rule 
and control um, and and said, God, I, I need you to, to be in charge of my life. I'm making a mess of it. Um, and so that's what changed her. And it was still, you know, still a little bit of, you know, gradual change after that even. Um, but that's the tipping point there. So there is hope. Um, there is hope. Never stop praying for your for your rebels. And even if you have prodigals who've left the home, never stop praying over them. There's always, always hope. Um, Hannah right now is uh, 25 and she is president of a pro-life ministry in California that goes um, up and down the West Coast, um, ministering at colleges and high schools. and. Um, just engaging with the kids there and, you know, just very much an apologist and um, an evangelist and um, leading, leading a ministry there. So there is hope. And, and I never saw that coming, you know, when during those 10 years at home of complete warfare, I never saw what God would have for her. Um, I just saw that I needed to obey God every day, wake up and say, Lord, Show me what to do today because I have no wisdom of my own. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear that there's hope. You know, there's something about having that hope that helps us to keep on, you know, even if it's just get through one more day and then one more day, we just know that there's hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. So such a great wisdom you shared today for those of us who have or are homeschooling kids that have made us want to chase that yellow school bus down the street and throw our kid on there. But as we close today, is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? Um, you know, you are um, doing the best thing for this child. This, this child needs boundaries, even though they balk against them. They need to know that they are loved because they are going to be facing a lot of hardship and enemies in their lifetime. They need to know that you're on their team um, because we know that God is on our team and he doesn't give up on us, right? So be a rebel yourself, be a rebel parent and combat those lies and combat, you know, the enemy that wants to, to take them down and rebel against giving in and giving up. <laughs> you know, it's tempting to let someone else deal with this rebel, but rebel against that because God has given you this child and raised you up for such a time as this in their life to be that example of courage in the face of adversity that your child needs. Amen. I love that. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for joining me today to share your story of homeschooling a rebel and how you overcame that challenge. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Crystal. And listeners, thank you so much for listening in. My show notes for today can be read at militaryhomeschoolpodcast.com. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Military Homeschool Podcast. Until then, have a blessed week. Thanks for listening in today. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. If you liked this podcast, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating and leave a comment. Links to the resources mentioned during the show today can be found in our show notes at militaryhomeschoolpodcast.com. Connect on Facebook at Military Homeschool Podcast or via email at militaryhomeschoolpodcast at gmail.com.